you are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, how's everybody doing? Locked On Browns, episode 131, uh, the Wednesday edition brought to you by Draft.com, so Draft Wednesdays. Uh, I, they've been so nice enough, obviously, with their sponsorship. I'll set up another league tomorrow. We've been able to get off like two, three leagues a week. Uh, I'll give you a promo code for that in a little while here. Uh, look, you know, fantasy season for a lot of people, it's over. Uh, this is a way to, you know, kind of keep playing. It's fresh league every week. They do snake draft style. Uh, you know, the way I like to do them, you know, quarterback, two running backs, uh, wide receiver, two wide receivers or wide receiver tight ends. You know, we do five, six teams, you know, keep the money a little bit minimal, but, you know, it still gives you a reason to, you know, have a little rooting interest into some individual games, you know, some out-of-market games that you might not be watching on Sundays. So, you know, uh, thanks again to uh, Draft.com and Draft Wednesday episodes. Uh, I've gone, uh, you know, as I'm getting more, you know, more comfortable here and, you know, learning more of these guys who've covered the Browns and the work they've done here, you know, I'm trying to branch out and out and get some more guys, you know, who you guys, the listeners, are familiar with, you know, on here to the show. Uh, tonight we're going with uh, Brandon Le- uh, Brandon Leeser out of Ohio. You know, been a Browns guy. Uh, took the fall off. Actually, you know, had an opportunity presented to him that he got to pursue. Uh, so without further ado, Mr. Brendan Leister and Brendan, let everybody know how you spent your fall out in Ohio. Yeah, what's up, man? It's actually Leister. Just I apologize okay. for making that correction. Uh, just yeah, okay. yeah, it's all good. Brendan Leister. Um, yeah, so I start. I uh, got an opportunity this fall, coach this year at Hiram College. Uh, started out in March and spring ball. Coached throughout the fall there. Uh, coaching quarterbacks. Um, had a rough season, uh, two and eight. But we did some good things on offense, broke a couple records. I was really lucky, coached some good players, um, coached with some really smart coaches that taught me a lot. So um, I, I was, I'm was i really fortunate to have that opportunity. I'm grateful for it. Um, and I'm excited to talk some Browns. Absolutely. Um, look, to this point, and like the thing I've done with, you know, when I've brought on guys like you, P, uh, Ryan Burns, Peter Smith, Stephen Thomas, first time I will have, uh, have you guys on. I guess it's basically a first time on is, you know, let's get your, you know, I call them the state of the Browns type of episodes, you know, your feelings of where the team is now. Um, look, this was uh, a year two of a three-year re- rebuild. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, major plug was pulled on that, you know, uh, last week. Um, give me some thoughts here. Obviously, you know, we've moved on from the GM who I feel, you know, a roster that a couple of years ago was, I mean, was laughable at best. I think the gentleman who lost his job last week, you know, did a pretty good job in filling in those holes, you know, stocking the cupboards, there's food to eat, you know, th- there's talent here. Um, so give me some thoughts on that and just, you know, an overall synopsis. I mean, for me, this isn't an 0-13 football team. I agree with you. I think that Sashi Brown is definitely leaving the Browns in a much better situation than he uh, found them in. The team was old expensive and not very talented when he took him over and a year and three quarters later you look at the roster there's a lot of young talent on it even though the record doesn't really show that I think that the major problems um, on both sides of the ball you can kind of point to some coaching things here and there although I think schematically and play calling wise I actually think Hugh Jackson's done a better job in recent weeks it probably helps a lot to have Josh Gordon back obviously and Corey Coleman um, I think the quarterback positions really held him back, and that's probably the reason that Sashi Brown was fired, as we all assume. Uh, they just didn't really get the quarterback position right. 
Um, I'm looking forward to them having the first pick in the draft. I'm hopeful that they'll find their guy at the top of this draft because obviously they didn't feel like that guy was there last year. Overall, it's a young team. It's the youngest team in the league, um, a year younger than the second youngest team, who is the Rams, I believe. And uh, like I said, there's talent on both sides of the ball. I'd like to see them continue to stock up on uh, talented guys on both on, you know, across the roster in this upcoming draft and offseason. But the main position that they really need to address is obviously quarterback because the entire quarterback room is pretty poor. And I think that that's been the major reason that they've lost most of these games this season. Uh, and this is one I've been harping on. And I, I'm actually Deshaun Kaiser backer. I, I like his game. You know, I'm, I'm still a sucker for the big arm. But you look at now, you look at now Philadelphia, you look at Houston. I mean, if injuries alone don't tell you to go out and get yourself a solid quarterback here right now, you know, another one, I mean, you have Kevin Hogan, you have Cody Kessler. I mean, if you maybe jam the two of them together, you know, maybe you'd have a guy that could get you through three weeks. But there's nobody else. There's nobody else in the room, which is you know what led to Deshaun Kaiser getting this job probably way before he deserved it. But you have 12 picks. You're going to have dang near a hundred million dollars in cap space. You need to turn a positional negative into a positional positive. So it would be foolish not to do that. Um, give me a, a couple thoughts here on Kaiser in general. Obviously, you know, as a 21 year old kid, came from you know pretty you know, crappy position at Notre Dame where, you know, he kind of ended up being the scapegoat there as last year there. I mean, everybody, oh, well, maybe he shouldn't have declared. Uh, you know, maybe he shouldn't have declared, but in the same respect, though, it, it wouldn't have been healthy for him to go back to that same situation. Yeah, I think uh, off the top, he's he has a lot of troubles with accuracy, although he does make those big plays from time to time when his feet are right and he knows exactly where he's going with the ball and he's decisive. Most of what he does, it's a lot of ups and downs with his accuracy to all levels of the field. You see that pretty consistently. Uh, I think I saw today, actually posted on Twitter about it, that he's last in passer rating outside the pocket and inside the pocket in the yeah, that was, NFL. that was a rough tweet. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty bad. It speaks for itself. I think he's, he processes information slowly on the field, which can kind of be um, a huge weakness and – Honestly, it can be like a fatal flaw for guys if they don't process information fast because you're going to take a lot of hits that way if you don't get the ball out quickly. Uh, it's going to make your offensive line look worse. It's going to make your wide receivers look worse because you're not getting the ball to them on time. That can lead to some drops from time to time. So I think that uh, is a huge flaw in his game. Like you said, he does have a big arm. Uh, he seems like a, you know, a nice kid. He probably works hard at it. I heard some questionable things about his leadership coming out of Notre Dame, and uh, that was from pretty reputable sources a few times, like people that I felt like would know. So looking back on that, it's it's hard not to get that out of my head, sort of, when I think about the way this has gone and how Hugh has alluded to a couple times how his leadership was a work in progress, I think, early in the season. I, I still wonder about how mentally tough he is you know, when he makes an interception how is he going to bounce back from it? And uh, the last thing that comes to mind is his game management. He just he really struggles with managing games. You know, gets down in the red zone, takes sacks that put him in tougher uh, positions to kick field goals. The QB sneak uh, late in the Detroit. Detroit first half. Yeah, you can't can't audible to that. It was clear uh, live watching that game, and 
you know, you can't do that as an NFL quarterback. That's a high school mistake. Uh, this past week, you got to throw that ball away at the end of the game. You can't just run around with the ball in your hands, take that, that big hit, throw the interception that loses the game. You just got to throw that ball away, punt the ball, and trust your defense to make the plays and get off the field and get the ball back to you. So I think he just really struggles with game management as well. And it's it's really tough to learn those things once you've already gotten to the NFL because I feel like those are things that high school and college quarterbacks often already know. So he's just kind of behind, it feels like. Yeah, and I, I like the point you brought up about the processing speed. And, you know, one thing here, guys, is, you know, the processing speed, that gets you to, you know, look, right now, because Josh Gordon's new is here, is new to him. And Josh Gordon, as ridiculous of an athlete and as ridiculous a wide receiver as he is, he's got to understand that he's going to be covered. So you got to know your second, third, fourth option, and you got to know it quick. And if you can't get to it, you're either getting sacked or you're running around and tossing the ball to the cheap seats. So, you know, and that is, that's universal. There's not anybody we've spoken with on this show that feels that that, that is not an issue with Deshaun. And, you know, it, it, sometimes the light goes on. A lot of times it doesn't. You know, and you can kind of over, you can kind of get past it if you are a natural throw of the ball, which Deshaun can be. You know, he still needs to work on, you know, his short game, so to speak. You know, hitting his backs out, you know, the touch pass on screens, things of that nature. But if you cannot get this information as fast as possible and realize who's going to be where and who's going to be open, it's it's really tough. And look, there's some guys who are going to be available in April who can do this, and they can do it a lot faster than Deshaun can. So it's going to be interesting how it all plays out. Uh, the offensive skill as a, on a whole, uh, it's kind of funny because the first 11 weeks here, it was kind of like looking around. It was like, well, look, even if somebody here, even if Deshaun did everything right, is there a guy here capable of making these plays? Now you have Kenny Britt out of the picture, but you have Josh Gordon. Corey Coleman is once healthy again. David Najoku is you know, obviously last week, notwithstanding, seems to be growing each potential week. You have Duke. You have Seth DeVal. Talk to me a little bit about the weapons around the quarterback position here in Cleveland. I think the weapons have gotten a lot better as the season's gone on, obviously, with the return of Coleman and Gordon. Uh, you could still definitely add to the wide receiver group, add another experienced guy, possibly, or just a young rookie that knows how to play the position and get open from the slot, possibly. I think that could really help. Um, the team. I think the running back position could obviously be upgraded, but I do think Crow is an okay running back, and he's probably going to get paid by somebody. Duke Johnson's definitely a good player. I know that as fans, we all want to see him get the ball a lot more, but sometimes when I'm watching games, I wonder for two reasons if, if they don't give him the ball more. If it's they, they feel like he's wearing down as the game goes on, because sometimes when he gets up from taking hits, he just looks really beat up yeah and then other times when i watch well it's pretty consistent actually his ball security is terrible um he doesn't fumble but he carries the ball like in one hand a lot of times you know really loose with the football and as a coach uh that i pick up on that really quickly and that just that makes me nervous as an offensive football coach because i don't want a guy getting the ball 15, 20 times if he's going to have the ball loose all, all the time and potentially lose the football i know he doesn't fumble that much but it also might have to do with the fact that he doesn't get the ball that often. Uh, but, yeah, he's a dynamic playmaker. Definitely like to see them add at the running back position because I don't know if Crow will be back. And he, his patience and vision has always left a lot to be desired. And I feel like 
they have been going to more gap schemes lately, like running power and counter and ISO, and I think that's helped him. He's much better running with gap schemes where the line's blocking down, backside guards pulling, uh, leading up through the B-gap typically, and also when he's following a fullback. Crow's a lot better at that than he is often running zone, so I think that they've kind of caught on to that and adjusted a little bit, and I think that's why we've seen a little more success from him lately. And then as far as the tight end position, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, they definitely shouldn't be throwing fade balls to uh, Randall Telfer in the back of the end zone like this <laughs> past week. You're like but, your, eighth, uh, your eighth best receiving options. You're running plays for him. Right, yeah. Yeah, he's a solid blocker. I like the way he works. He seems like a good character <clears throat> locker room guy, but Najoku and Deval are clearly their best uh, receiving threats from the tight end position, and, and I'm pretty confident in both of them moving forward. So overall, I think the skill players are solid, on paper right now, but definitely need to add to that group this offseason and continue to infuse young talent into the group. Well, that's one thing that I get knocked on a little bit because, look, uh, Josh Gordon, you're not really paying him any money. Uh, Corey Coleman, another guy, you know, for where he was drafted, you're not paying a lot of money to. See, the problem I have and why I want to, you know, because it looks like it could shape up to be a decent free agent wide receiver class is the last thing I want to do is have, God forbid, you know, Josh slips up and it's gone. Corey, we get another six to eight week injury that we've already seen from his first two years in the league. And now here's a kid that you spent a draft pick on and saying, you know, we wanted to make you part of this offense. Oh, wait a minute. Now you are completely a huge part of this passing offense. I think it'd be easier if you could bring in an Allen Robinson, if you could bring in, you know, a Devontae Adams, guys who at least have some NFL experience where they're not going to be too shy to be able to jump into a major role. The last thing I want to do is all of a sudden take a rookie and all of a sudden now have to put him on an accelerated track to success. That might not turn out very well. I agree with you. Like what I was talking about was kind of draft a young player to play more like a supportive supportive role. I I agree with double dipping, but you know, you could be without your wide receiver one here real quick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's why they have to add to the position at least two guys probably because – you want to continue to add depth and competition to the position it just to make guys work harder in general. You know, like the Higgins, the Lewis. I mean, those guys could be on the bubble potentially next year just because they haven't completely stepped up. And so you add to that position group, put some fire under those guys. Maybe it makes them better players. And like you mentioned with bringing in a veteran receiver, another point that that could um, – another way that that could help the team is if they have a young rookie quarterback next year – and possibly Kaiser could be in the room as well. I mean, they might trade him this offseason. Who knows? But if he's in the room too, a veteran wide receiver comes in. Maybe he's played with Aaron Rodgers or one of these great quarterbacks. Well, if that player played with a guy like that for a while, they could come in and kind of not teach the quarterback things, but just give little tips here and there about, hey, well, Aaron did this. Aaron did that. This is the way that we did this. And that could – Possibly just little things like that, I think, could help a young quarterback along in his development. Just having a veteran receiver that's been there before that you can count on. Because like you said, Gordon or Coleman, those guys could both go down really easily. And then all of a sudden you're back to, right now, Higgins and Lewis leading the group, putting tight ends out wide. It's just it's not an ideal situation. So they definitely need to add two or or possibly even three receivers this offseason. 
Yeah, yeah, that's one we're totally agree- in total agreement on. Uh, guys, like I said, Play Draft is a uh, sponsor here, Draft.com, for Locked On Browns, for the Locked On Network. Uh, I, I told you, I love the app. Uh, it's fun. You know, the drafts are quick, you know, five, six guys. You, you know, you're in and out in less than 10 minutes. Uh, gives you some rooting interest here. Uh, pretty much my fantasy season is in the tank right now. Uh, best thing I got going right now is a, uh, you know, one of my bigger leagues. I have a shot at a toilet bowl title, you know, which, you know, pay out a little revenue. But look, draft.com, check it out, guys. I'll set up uh, my first league uh, for the week tomorrow. Draft.com, you need a promo code, capital L O. NFL, by all means, guys, go ahead, check that out. Like I said, I will set that up tomorrow. Uh, Brendan, going on here, the offensive line here. Uh, it, it, now, we've had obviously had some changes, uh, you know, the, the stalwart of the group here, and this is the one thing I couldn't stand with everybody talking about the 10,000 snaps for Joe Thomas. Eventually, you know, the curtain, the curtain came down and Joe out for the year. But for, I think, as a whole, even with Drago in here now, obviously the other four guys, on a whole, I think this is, you know, you know, uh, you know top half offensive line in this league. I agree with you. Even with Drago in there, I think that they've played pretty well for the most part. There have obviously been some times, like against Jacksonville, when Yannick Ngakwe really destroyed Drango. But for the most part, I think that he's came in, done a solid job, I view him as kind of like a depth guy that can play across the line long term, which you need because, especially for cheap, because he's still on his rookie deal. I like the guards. I think that's probably the strength of the offensive line. Well, just the interior in general with Zeitler, with Zeitler and Treader. I think mm-hmm. and Batonio, those are all three solid players, and they've really gotten better as the season's gone on. The more they played together. I think Sean Coleman's had some ups and downs this year, but I'm pretty happy with him in the run game. And I think he's done a solid, you know, average job in the pass game. And we all knew we all knew coming in that that was going to be kind of a a uh, learning curve for him and something that he needed to improve upon coming out of that Auburn system just because they're so run heavy. And I don't think they ask him to do a lot of the pass protection stuff that they do in the NFL necessarily. So, I think coming into next year, hopefully Coleman takes another step forward. Hopefully Joe Thomas comes back and he doesn't retire. Bring back the interior guys, possibly add a uh, a young offensive tackle in the, in the draft, but hopefully not with those top. Uh, hopefully not with those top six picks. I'm thinking hopefully like day three sometime between the fourth and seventh round at some point, maybe in the fourth round, fifth round range bring in a young offensive tackle to learn behind Joe Thomas and then maybe even compete with John Coleman if Coleman's not taking steps forward. But I like the group overall. I'm excited about them moving forward. I think that having a lead running back with a little better vision and patience would probably be a huge key to kind of unleashing the run game as well as better uh, play calling and usage and more of an identity and commitment to the run game on offense. Yeah, exactly. And look, you know, it, it, it's a, a young man's position, the running back position. Uh, last year's class was ridiculously good. Uh, there's some saying that this class, you know, could be better. I, I don't want to say I, I don't. I wouldn't put a label on it that it is better because you have a class like last year's. You don't want to say it's better, especially we haven't seen anything. Look, it, it's deep. Uh, the running back position just, you know, it just seems that there's a, there's a lot there for the last couple of years. Uh, you certainly have your chance to go ahead and, you know, add to, uh, you know, your stable, you know, whether Barkley, Geis, whether you want to get to the second, third, you know, fourth round guys, plenty of talent available. 
very easily to go pick up a guy. And especially, you know, the good thing is, is when you have the strong offensive line, it's a lot easier to find a guy to plug and play into that. Uh, we're going to flip on over here, uh, the defensive side of the ball. First thing that's caught my eye here, you know, since beginning this in, you know, in October, this defensive line, man, there's a lot of young guys and there is a lot of raw talent here. And it seems a lot of these guys are stepping up and starting to gel. Yeah, it's, it's a very good group. I'm excited about it moving forward. Garrett has obviously played really well. He struggled through the ankle injuries, but I, it's hard not to feel good about him moving forward. Um, Agba was having a really awesome year before getting hurt. If people follow Justice Mosqueda on Twitter, he's done some really good stat work this year, and he was compiling the leaders across the NFL in tackles at or behind the line of scrimmage, and that included sacks, tackles for a loss, obviously. And Ogbo was third in that category, I believe, before the injury. So I think it was second, although, but yeah. He was second? Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So I knew he was in the top three somewhere. So yeah, he was having a really strong year. And uh, I feel like Garrett's had a little more trouble since Ogbo went down. And that probably has to do with Ogbo getting that extra attention, of course. But yeah, he, he is a really good player. And it doesn't always show up necessarily on the stat sheet. But I'm looking forward to watching him develop over the next few years and come back healthy from this injury. Uh, I, I still feel really good about Shelton. I mean, he's a two-down player, but you know what you're going to get from him. He's a very solid nose tackle in the run game. Not going to make much of an impact in the pass game, but that's not really what he's there for. Hogan Joby, he's kind of raw, I would say, like as a pass rusher. But he's definitely a, uh, a good athlete for the position. And I think he does a really good job in the run game. And I'm actually excited about him as a nose tackle. I could see, see him long-term being a three-down nose tackle. Yep. Although I know some people are talking about him as a three technique. I personally am hoping that the team targets a three technique early in this draft. I think that finding another dominant, athletic, um, explosive defensive lineman on the interior could really unlock the potential of this defense. If you add another guy to rush the interior with Ogba and Garrett on the outside. I don't think they have that right now. I, I like Coley. He's a solid guy. But if you make him depth, take him from the starting three technique and turn him into depth, and then Ogunjobi and Shelton rotate at the nose, and you bring in a stud three technique, I think that could really just take the defense to a whole nother level. Yeah, and you know, and that's the thing, you know, because obviously, you know, miles the focal point. But if you're going to start to get to a position where you, these guys are coming, you know, from the interior, there's nothing he can do about it. I mean, it almost comes indefensible. I mean, it's going to be, you know, two. It's going to be three step drop and fire because otherwise, you know, you've got 1,200 pounds of beasts coming at you. The D line has really, really impressed me to this point. The linebacking crew, uh, you know, other than Greg Williams and how he manages them, and you know where they're, you know, set up on the field. I think these guys have held their own. Uh, Joe Schobert. Now, here's a guy who, you know, everybody viewed as a, you know, almost an edge rusher. And now here's a guy put as a Mike linebacker position almost. I think these guys are holding their own. I think you probably need a run and chase guy in there somewhere. But as far as, you know, on a whole, you know, I think, you know, the linebacker position, you know, they're holding up pretty well. Yeah, I, I like them in the run game mostly. <clears throat> Definitely. In the past game, I think there's been a lot of struggles, but I just wonder how much that's been schematic. When I watch them closely, like on the All-22 and everything, it just feels like 
they're out of position in the pass game a lot of times. Like they have no chance to cover these tight ends. Like on that first touchdown on Sunday, Schobert was lined up, I think, in the opposite A or B gap. And the number two receiver on the opposite side of the field from him was looked like he should have been his responsibility. So it's just it's confounding. Like why is he lined up there? There's no chance that he's going to be able to get there to cover that. And then also like on run plays where they're running Tampa two and the Mike or the will drops out and tries to cover the deep seam and the offense runs the ball and gets a decent gain. There's just these things that make you think, what are they doing exactly with these linebackers and coverage? Because if they could just get it right and cover in coverage, it seems like a lot of their problems on defense would kind of go away. Cause that's the biggest problem area in my opinion is just the way that the linebackers and the corners are giving up yards just by alignment. And, you know, that could have to do with Greg Williams maybe questioning his personnel and not feeling like he has the guys to run the type of defense that he wants to do maybe. But with the way that they line up, they're just giving up free yardage in the pass game, especially to tight ends. And it's just hard to uh, have much faith in it. And it's really hard to judge the players too because, like, for example – uh, Kirksey, you know, he was a great cover linebacker his first uh, three years in the league. And then this year, it seems like he's just really dropped off. So it's hard not to look at coaching when you see something like that. No, understood. Uh, I'm going to move on to the secondary now. Um, first things first, obviously, you know, here is a defensive scheme that is screaming for a deep free safety that they do not have. Uh, Jason McCourty, uh, I think for the I would say first 10, 11 weeks, absolutely was bowling out, showed extremely well. Uh, you know, maybe the fact that, you know, he was released by Tennessee late in the season, you're starting to see some of those hiccups now. But uh, as far as the secondary, give me some thoughts here. Uh, you know, I, I, I do like Kindred. Uh, I do, obviously, Body Calhoun, uh, Body Calhoun, a fantastic guy in a nickel. Uh, there, there's definitely going to be some improvements that are going to need to be made here, but give me what you're seeing to this point. I like the group overall, and I actually feel a little differently about the free safety position from a lot of people. Okay. Um, if <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, Peppers has never played that spot before. He's never lined up as a deep free safety, and we've seen him make strides throughout this season. I think he has the range, he has the skill set to play that position. The thing is, he's just he doesn't have the experience and the reps, so he's still developing. I'm not against bringing in a free safety. I don't know if it needs to be in the top 10 necessarily, but bringing in a free safety maybe on day two to come in and compete with the other two safeties, you know, the other two top two, Kendrick and Peppers. But, uh, but yeah, I think he can play that position moving forward. And the thing that I wonder about is because they play so much 4-3, like even in what most teams would deem nickel situations, they keep three linebackers on the field a lot. What they do is they rotate their Sam, which is Collins or Burgess, since Collins went down. They rotate him, they rotate Kendred, and they rotate Body Calhoun. So those three guys are rotating, and then Peppers, all of a sudden, where does he go? Does he go and take Kendred's snaps? Because Kendred has been a dominant player in the run game. So now you might be taking Kendred off the field. Um, it's just it's a weird proposition, in my opinion, and you're all of a sudden taking maybe your first round pick from this past year who I think is going to be a very good player as long as he continues to gain experience you're taking that player off the field so 
I'm not sure what exactly what they'll do at free safety. It obviously depends a lot of it on if Greg Williams is back next year because there's been some rumors about um, Dorsey potentially not keeping this coaching staff. But as of right now, I'm just not sure how to look at it exactly other than I'd probably target the free safety if the value is there on day two. And then as far as the cornerback position, I think Jamar Taylor, he's had some tough reps this year, you know, where he's given up, given up passes underneath, missed a tackle in space. Uh, they play off a lot. It's, it's tough. I don't know if that's what I lost Yeah. I mean, I don't know if their corners are necessarily being maximized right now because they're just, they play off and they give up completions underneath body Calhoun, I think has a chance to be a really good player as he continues to, to develop. But I would, I'm, I look forward to seeing Howard Wilson next year. Hopefully he can, uh, come along and develop and play because we haven't even got to see him to this point. And then if they feel like the value's there, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing in a corner in the first few rounds. It just depends really on the talent on the board. That's that's really what it comes down to for me. No, I understand. Uh, obviously, guys, uh, you have Locked On NFL. You have Locked On NBA here through Locked On Network. Uh, Locked On MLB has been launched uh, the Locked On Cubs, Locked On Yankees, uh, they plan to hit every uh, major league team. So uh, any baseball fans, we got you covered here on Locked On, Net, uh, on Locked On Network. So go ahead and start to check that out. You can, you know, any of you Cubs fans, any Yankees fans want to check out that uh, John Carlos Stanton acquisition because, you know, everything just falls out of the Yankees' lap. This just seems to be the way it goes. But go ahead and give that a you know, quick peruse. Check out the guys. I know they're working hard and they're very excited about their future over there. Now, with Everybody I bring on, Brendan, I'm going to give you a chance here. The head coach. We're looking at a possibility of a head coach who has been given an endorsement by his owner that even regardless if his resume consists of 1-31, and he has a job in 2018. Yeah, it's just it's really hard to imagine him staying around after that. It's, it's also hard not to believe these rumors about Dorsey wanting to bring in his own people. I'm going to be, I'll be honest, I'm going to be disappointed if, if uh, De Podesta has to go because I think he's probably contributed in some really positive ways to turning this team around from a talent standpoint. Like I said earlier, they haven't turned it around on the field results-wise, record-wise, but I think that the roster and the cap situations really turned around, and I think part of that is we can help or we can thank De Podesta for that uh, as far as Hugh I'm, I'm I've been telling people on Twitter they keep asking me about him I just I'm really indifferent about him I'm always disappointed to hear what he says in press conferences because I just don't think that coaches necessarily should talk to the media the way he does although you know I respect him as a man and if he wants to do that that's fine but I prefer I much prefer the the Belichick way of going about it, just saying, you know, we're on to whoever we're about to play and I'm not going to give you too much information. It's it's hard not to believe the things that Kenny Britt's agent said about Hugh talking to the media more than he talks to his team. Uh, it's it's just... It's a saving it's, face it's tough. Yeah, Yeah, it's tough to have a lot of faith and, and it just feels like... It feels like Haslam and Hugh are very much about the PR of everything. And that, that's kind of what it comes down to in my mind. I just think it's a lot of PR-driven stuff. Hugh is very, you know, all the way back to the RG3 signing when he said, 
he could feel the move or the earth move under his feet when when RG3 was doing his pro day workout on on air you know like this guy just he says a lot of things to get everybody excited but the proof's in the pudding he might go 1 and 31 so it's i just i can't imagine them keeping him but we'll see what happens it's hard to know either way <laughs> See, well, that's part of my thing, though, because my thing was is with Deshaun Kaiser, you come out in August and say, you want to know what? The young rookie quarterback is my quarterback, and we're going to live with the ups and downs. And then when there's mm-hmm. downs, he's yanked. And then there's downs, yeah. he's yanked again. There was no other quarterback to play. I mean, he, he maybe he would have yanked him again, but he had no other quarterback to put in. I mean, you, you, you try to look good in a press conference. And the thing for me is, is you're trying to look good in a press conference, but at the end of the day, your record is your record, and that's how you're yep. measured. That's how you're paid. Um, you yep. know, you know, I think maybe Dorsey right now is just kind of biting his lower lip, and he's going to go in that Monday after Week 17 and say, "Look, you guys are so concerned about this PR stuff and what looks good. Do you think there's a bigger joke than keeping a head coach whose record is one in 31?" If you're so concerned about the PR and the backlash and that stuff, your head coach is one in thirty-one, and you're okay with keeping him. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, like another thing that just came to mind with the press conferences is like you mentioned Kaiser. So in August, it was the beginning of the preseason, and uh, Kaiser had that big game. You know, where he threw those two deep touchdown passes and yep. won them that preseason game and the comeback victory in the fourth quarter. And Hugh gets in the press conference and he's like, "All right, let's let's calm down, everybody. It's you know he's playing against third stringers. It's he's not he's not ready yet. We're taking it slow with him." And then week one comes around and they're about to play the Steelers and he's saying how this kid's going to be a great quarterback for a long time and hyping him up and it's it's just I don't ever know what to expect with him and it's it's just like goes from one end of the spectrum to the other. It's very frustrating as a fan because you just want to see results on the field. You don't want to see press conference victories, especially when they're one and whatever they are at this point. I think I think you summed that up perfectly. Um, you know, he seems like he wants to say you know that stuff there, and you know he had no problem. You know, basically, oh uh, well, I don't know what the vision is here, and you know, at the end of the day, I look at it from two two vantage points. A GM has a job to turn over an entire organization, replenish the roster, get the cap space in order. That guy did that. And look, for the most part, the defense, you know, as the year has gone on, the defense has dropped back a little bit, but the defense wasn't the issue early on. Now you have a head coach who's an offensive-minded head coach, and that has seemed to have been the consistent issue throughout. So... You know, if we're to the point now where guys' jobs are on the line, look, Sashi Brown, his family, they just lost their job. And whether or not, if you want to go check the boxes, whether or not they were, he was doing his job. For the most part, I think he was doing his job. So how, if this turns out to be they went 0-16 after going 1-15, how is that man not responsible for, for his job as being head coach and his record is 1-31? Yeah, it's it's just PR. That's all it is. That's the only way to describe it. You know, Hugh is the football man, and that's what the NFL all – that's what they like. That's what they want in the league. I think Sashi Brown, you know, that wasn't their type. Obviously, Sashi didn't trade for 
he didn't make the moves at the quarterback position that got the job done. So that is definitely on Sashi. It could partially be on Hugh as well because I'm sure that he had some input. He was probably telling Sashi who he liked and who he didn't like, but <coughs> just it's just tough, man. You know, the, the team is the team has taken a huge step back this year too. I mean, on both sides of the ball for the most part, other than Gordon coming back and, and Coleman coming back, and there's been some some good stuff on offense with that. You know, Kaiser has come along a little bit, but I, I think the defense is it's. Its performance has decreased monumentally over the past few weeks, and I know that Agba being out is part of that, but it's not the whole reason. I mean, Joe Mixon went off against them. Teams have thrown the ball up and down the field against them. It's, I think, both sides of the ball. The team's taking a step back. They haven't made enough progress, and you can definitely put that on the coaches if, if that happens at any level, high school, college, NFL. If teams not making progress on the field throughout a season – because if you look back at that week one, they almost beat the Steelers. It was 21 to 18, and they uh, gave up a touchdown on a punt block. Ever since then, the team has declined majorly. So it's hard not to put a, put that on coaches, in my opinion. Yeah, and part of the thing is, is apparently, you know, Jimmy doesn't want the backlash. Oh, uh, you know, oh, well, he cleaned house again. But look, there's a big difference now. You have a sellable product. Uh, you know, a lot of people are looking over, and I think it came from the Detroit game too, when the, the guys on Detroit defense and, and offense, this is one of the most athletic teams we saw. Look, so, yep. you know, th that's a reflection on what's been going on. Uh, before we let you go here and we wrap this up, Brandon, um, look, it, it seems number one is in the bag. Uh, have you peeked it all around? Is is there, is there a quarterback you have a preference for at one? I've got a lot. I've got to watch a lot more. At this point, I am a Josh Rosen fan. I like the way he goes through uh, his progressions. That's what I want to hear. That's what I want to do. Yeah. Plenty of arm talent. I think he can make any throw you ask him to make. I like the way that he deals with pressure for the most part. His offensive line really struggled this past year, but I went all the way back to his freshman year and watched some uh, all 22 that I got my hands on. And he was doing a great job of getting the ball out hot, dealing with blitzers getting the ball out of his hands quickly and not letting the defense get to him. So those are all things that translate in a positive way typically to the NFL. I think he processes quickly. He does a great job of tying his feet to his eyes as he goes through his progressions. So, you know, he's not looking one way and his feet are in a completely different way to throw and then he's not throwing at inaccurately as he makes his way through his progressions, if that makes sense. So mm -hmm. I just really like those things about him. I'm excited about him. Um, hopefully the, the big question with him, I think is durability because he has had a few injuries. I know that some people hold his personality against him, but I actually like the, the way that he acts. I like his, um, I like the way that he thinks about the world. I think he has perspective. Um, the way he plays, I think football is extremely important to him clearly, or he wouldn't play as well as he does and have the grasp of the offense that he does. But he clearly has a perspective about the world that there's more to life than football. And I, I, I can I can definitely relate to that. And I think that's kind of cool because I like seeing athletes like, you know, like LeBron James, for example, who speak up for things that are important to them, not only in sports, but in the world. And uh, last but not least, uh, just traits wise, I think pocket presence is a plus from what I've seen and. I also like the fact that he's he's played in an NFL offense. If you look at Jed, Jed Fish's offense at UCLA, 
it's it's a very pro style type offense so he, he has experience going under center taking the deep drops turning his back to the defense in the play action game so that's not going to be such a transition for him he already has the experience doing it so i'm excited about him but i definitely have to watch more of mayfield lamar jackson sam darnold and all these other guys as well well i think the thing was and you know as much as you know i was sam darnold number one going into this year but i think the thing that really impressed me was the usc ucla game where josh went in there and it's like oh well this is me versus you <laughs> well you know what bro mm-hmm. sit down because i'm going to show you what's up and just the way he handled that and you know you you brought up you know the way that he you know obviously off the field you know he's concerned with what's going on in the world he's concerned with what's going on in this country I, I don't think that plays as well in a New York, you know, whether it's a Jets or Giants. But I think a guy like him, he comes to a city like Cleveland, he goes all in. I think he gets embraced for it. I, I think nobody cares, you know, even if they disagree what his thoughts are outside. I think they respect that. And I, I think they'll respect the fact that on Sundays, he is 110% about the team. Look, uh, he needs to add some weight. There's no doubt about it. You know, he was a kid who's late to football, so probably you know his you know weightlifting regimen isn't probably what some other guys are. You know, bet you look at a Baker Mayfield, his body is you know yoked to the point it's going to be. You know, Josh Rosen needs to get in there. He needs to put on some pounds. You know, get himself closer to two twenty five, two thirty. But you know, there's no if you're just talking about strictly throwing a football, I don't know how there's any discussion that does where it's, you know, it's not him up top, and it's a discussion of who's number two. But uh, Brandon Leister, like I said, uh, I appreciate you having on. Uh, you know, it, it's been great for me to get more deeper into this Browns culture, learning some of you guys who have put so much time into it years before me. So I appreciate you had the time for me coming on here tonight, Brandon. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I really enjoyed it. It was awesome, and have me on anytime. Uh, anytime yeah. you want me on, just reach out, man. Uh, that's the thing, I, you know. I mean, they tell me hearing maybe five, six shows a week. Uh, oh my God, Lord, I, I can do twelve. Uh, but absolutely, you know, there's such a great resource for you guys, and you guys are passionate about your fan base. Uh, Locked on Browns, episode one thirty one. Brandon Leister, uh, appreciate you all, guys, for listening. Uh, you know, we got some more work to do this week. We'll be back tomorrow. But again, uh, thanks to everybody over at Draft.com. Draft Wednesday episode. We'll have this up and early for you guys tomorrow. Everybody, have a good night. <laughs>